Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast, where people gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film never. studies course. This and is on that list. This is definitely on. Is this is this a marathon? Technically, does it does it have a name? I know what no, it is, but it's an unofficial marathon. We're gonna despite do, what Dalton wants to say. It's '90s action movies. Yep. We're, we're we put going, parameters on us. We got back to what made us us. Yeah, we're we're gonna try and do some uh, maligned '90s action films uh, because yeah, Shocktober is part of who we are, but uh, so is this nonsense. Absolutely, it is. And this week's film is Face Off, and um, I can make up a title, but I really don't think I can make up anything. We know what's happening here. You you know what this movie's about. Yeah, and so uh, it turns out they cut. Off the faces of two actors and place them on one another. Face off. And they say so four times just to make sure that you get the point. Got the they drive that point home, huh? So uh yeah, that's what we're gonna But do. also they face off with each other. They do face There are layers here. Yes, and they play hockey at one point as well. I've got graphs, I've got yarn and corkboard. This movie is got ooh, this movie. <laughs> Guys huh, I don't know that you're excited enough. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a thing. But um, let's go ahead and identify these disembodied voices speaking to your brains. I about to say disembodied brains speaking to your voices. Either one with this movie. Yep. Which, well, because we, we could cut them off and like re- replace mm-hmm. them somewhere mm-hmm. else. So who are you there with the beard? I am Arthur Gordon, and Dustin looks like Elvis done left the building. Excellent, excellent. Who are you um, without the beard? My name is Dalton Stewart, and if you'll all excuse me, I have to use the little boy's wee-wee room. Excellent. My name is Dustin Sells, and Papa's got a brand new bag, and we are here to talk good trash with do, you. I couldn't do the peach line, because that line has come up on this show no less than probably a dozen times. Yeah. I could eat a peach for days. Anytime Nick Cage comes Hours. up, I think it comes up. Because it's a fucking all-timer. <laughs> it's, it's... Nick, this is peak Cage. Ladies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Fellas, everybody, this is peak Cage. <sighs> this is 2018 Cage before we had 2018 Cage. Oh, my Cage. God. The writing was on the wall the entire time. Nick Cage has been telling us what he wanted his career to be. <laughs> this movie is the fucking Rosetta Stone for Nick Cage's career. Nick Cage always wanted to pretend to be John Travolta. That's what we found out. Yeah. Pretending to be Nick Cage. <laughs> Pretending to be Nick Cage. It's layered. It's, it's this got, movie is insane. It's I like love Parfait. It. Parfait's got layers, I hear. <laughs> so, <laughs> in case you're tuning into the show for the very first time, and you wonder what this madness you is. You picked a great episode to do that, <laughs> you, by the way. You indeed did. Woo. This is a... Rev- yeah, no, this, it's not that. It's not it's, that. It's, it's an analysis show. A, I'm, I'm face-offing our entire show right don't now. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't know what we are anymore. <laughs> this is an analysis show, not a review show. You review products. You don't review art. We analyze it. God damn it. And analysis will require the occasional spoiler. However, we are going to avoid spoilers for the first part of the show. It looks like this. Synopsis from The Voice of Cinema. Thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. All spoiler free. We play a game which might involve the mildest of spoilers of this, that, and the other of this film. And, you know, some other movies that may have something or something not to do with this particular film. Then we get down to business. There's music that says we've gotten down to business and are wearing only a pair of socks. Um, One pair of socks for the whole three of us. We're all three wearing one pair of socks. That Look, the show does not pay that well. Um, we make do. <laughs> it's our own version of Two Girls, One Cup. And oh, uh, anyhow, uh, <laughs> we... Uh, Update your references, Grandpa. Shut up. Um, and then, yes, we get down to business, and we do what we came here to do. We analyze a film that uh, most people would say is probably not worth analyzing. But we um, definitely think it is. So, there you go. Without any further ado, voice of the cinema, Mr. Arthur Gordon himself. Let's hear 
Oh, man. He's oh, he's get, getting prepped. He's I get, can see the synopsis he's about to read. It is lengthy. Excellent. Do it, man. Do it. Sean Archer is a government agent who for six years has been trying to apprehend terrorist Caster Troy, who tried to kill him but ended up killing Archer's son instead. When Archer corners Troy, Troy tells Archer that he has planted a bomb that will go off. Unless he gets him go, but Archer thinks that Troy is bluffing, so a fight erupts that leaves Troy comatose. (laughs) But later, when they go through some of his brother Pollux's things, they discover that Troy was telling the truth. All that they need now is to find out where it is, and the only person who knows is Pollux. And the only person that he will talk to about it is his brother, Castor. But unfortunately, he is a vegetable. A government official then suggests to Archer that he assume Castor's identity and ask Pollux about the bomb. So she brings him to a doctor. <laughs> so she... Okay. Played by CCH Pounder, I'm going to want to yes, add real she, quick. She's great. Ugh. Who has perfected a method wherein the face of one individual is removed from him and placed on another. Archer agrees. The operation is a success, so Archer as Troy goes to the prison where Pollux is being held and successfully gets him to tell him where the bomb is. Meanwhile, Troy, who was believed to be comatose, awakens and forces the doctor who operated on Archer to place Archer's face on him. He then goes to the prison as Archer and taunts Archer by telling him that he has destroyed all documentation of the operation and eliminated everyone who knew about it he then takes his brother out and leaves archer in prison but archer somehow manages to escape and is now trying to find someone who will believe and help him while troy is plotting something thank you imdb user rcs0411 at yahoo.com holy shit Okay, well that I, movie. I feel like synopsis. I lied a little bit about spoilers, but oh my! Well, no, that's just the first act, really. About the first ten minutes, really. This movie covers a lot of ground very quickly. It does. Uh, wow, that is. He is a vegetable. I really love a turnip, to be precise. <laughs> that is a or an onion. It's how, layered. You guys both have taught English classes. How would you describe the writing style of that summary? Um, collegiate. Run on. <laughs> Freshman 101. Ooh, I just like collegiate. That's public good. school. That's actually Ooh. that's right out of public school. Mm, yeah, it is. That's like Oklahoma public school. Damn right. That's how I wrote. I feel like one of my students probably wrote that. That's how he still writes. Hey, look. There's a reason I do most of my reviews uh, verbally. It's true. So that's what happens. That okay. Yeah, that is what happens. So let's... long story short, they change faces and then face off, and and then they. Face off. Yes. It's a face off. Oh, God. Arthur, what do you think about this film? This movie is buck wild bonkers. It makes totally no sense and is a great time. Uh, Travolta and Cage are both cranked to about 400, uh, over 9,000, maybe even. I'm not sure. Uh, they are just having a ball. Uh, Travolta playing Cage, playing Travolta, and Cage playing Travolta, playing Cage are two of the most nuanced performances you'll see in cinema history. Although there is a moment, um, that moment where uh, the the pass intercepted, we've got the ball, that particular line. Mm -hmm. John Travolta is not doing Nick Cage. You know who he's doing? Jim Carrey. Think about it. Yeah. It's totally a Jim Carrey moment. You know what? Fair point. 
So, but no, nonetheless, all, all bets are off in this movie. Yeah. Let me tell you, this movie has uh, you can uh, very visually see the stuntman. Uh, you can very yes. uh, visually see the wire stu- work. The wire work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and none of that matters in this movie. Nope. This okay. movie plays by its own rules. It, it sets its tone. It uh, makes up things as it goes along. Uh, the, the rules are made up and the points don't matter in John Woo's face-off. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I do think it's a little long. I, I think if I had a criticism, I, I think it's a little bloated. You're incorrect. But uh, it's it's a good time all the way through. Um, it's it's okay that you're wrong, Dustin. It's it's a little long. It's a good two fifteen, I think. Um, but uh, it's uh, the performance. I mean, Travolta and Cage. I mean, that's what this movie is. It is just these two guys. I don't even know how to describe it because they're on their own world doing their own thing and no one on this planet will ever touch them. Well, they totally figured out each other's affectations. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's great. It's incredible. Uh, it's a great... I mean, they're two great performances uh, from two actors who are usually very maligned or, or be, have become the butt of the joke over the years. And this is kind of post-Travolta's renaissance with Pulp Fiction. You know, he's kind of, again, become this... Uh, uh, caricature, I guess, of himself in the public eye. And Cage is kind of at that level. I mean, he's done Con Air, I think, at this point. He's yeah, done so some this of is post-Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. He's, he's kind of, uh, he's he's becoming the Cage we know him to be. Yeah, he's about, Put he's done Gone in 60 Seconds or about to. Bunny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, good old Memphis Reigns. Uh, he's just, uh, he's got some great names. Memphis Reigns, Caster Troy, I mean... Some the nineties ni- the were uh, truly a golden era of crazy ass character names. Um, but yeah, I love Nick Cage. I, I do. I think he's great. I think he's when he's used in the way he needs to be used, and he wants to be used. I think he's next level. He is all about persona, and he has it in spades. He's got charisma, um, and and I love him. And, and Travolta too. Travolta is a very good actor, and for them to just be unleashed as these two forces of nature on a collision course is genius. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really familiar with Wu's work. I, I've seen Mission Impossible 2, and I think that's about it. I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. Um, and based on Mission Impossible 2, I hadn't really wanted to seek out, you know, a lot of it. But I, I'd like to go see, I, I want to see Broken Arrow, and I, there's a couple of other things I'd like to catch. Um, but yeah, this is just, it's fun. It is wacky, ridiculous, bonkers crazy fun um i watched it i wasn't really sure what i had just watched uh but i had a great time watching it and so yeah highly highly in favor of face off all right thank you very much for that mr arthur gordon what do you say dalton store do you like face off this movie defies understanding and yet is is exactly what you it is a john woo Late 80s Hong Kong film. Uh, knowing a little bit more about Wu's career, Arthur, I, I, I feel equipped to say that being, being a fan of The Killer and of Hard Boiled, John Wu has taken the, the kind of melodrama action aesthetic of his Hong Kong career and applied it to an action blockbuster. He did Hard Target with Van Damme, he did Broken Arrow, and those are kind of, those are much more. Uh, Restrained? Run-of-the-mill Hollywood action blockbusters. They're they, not quite as melodramatic. They fit in that 90s action movie Although Travolta style. Slater do have kind of a father-son melodrama they going do, on. a little yeah. bit. But but again, I think it's fair to say that both of those films fit more into what a Hollywood audience is prepared for. This film is a John Woo movie. It's probably the only John Woo film that he made in the States that feels like a John Woo film. Because it is so... 
on its own wavelength. It is very clearly a movie that he wanted to make because it again it takes all of his sensibilities because I think he is a director that understands that action movies are a fantasy. And we're going to talk about this more when we get to analysis. But I think all of his films understand that this kind of heroic bloodshed does not exist. It is something we invented as a, a way to understand good and evil as they exist in the world. And he, he gets that. He understands that you can't go too hard hard boiled you can't go batman begins with certain things you know what i mean you can't ground certain ideas because they are a farce they are not real they are fantasy they are a fiction and he leans into that so hard in this fucking movie that you have nicholas cage within the first 10 minutes of this movie dressed in a priest's frock grabbing a choir girl's butt and making a face that i can only describe as the uh, the the uh, the uh, big eyes emoji like it's, <laughs> it, it, and I say that, and you're thinking, well, Dalton, this this film sounds very, you know, of its time, very regressive. Honestly, no, not really. This movie is one of the most progressive films I've ever seen come out of the late '90s action uh, era. It, this film has chastises a character for victim blaming. Mm-hmm. It uh, doesn't make things women's fault ever. Uh, we, well, let me rephrase that. It it doesn't make. Uh, acts against women their fault uh, in a way that we've watched a lot of 90s movies on this show in the last almost 300 episodes i got bad news for you 90s cinema in america did that a bunch Mm -hmm. this film is weirdly ahead of its time uh not all the time look it's it's kind of gross at times i'm not gonna lie to you if you dress like halloween ghouls will try to get in your pants and then she fucking dunks on him dunks on him yeah but but the line's still there. the line's still there exactly so and we're gonna try to thread that needle when we get into analysis but my point is Every time you are going to think you have this movie figured out, it's going to say, Psh, no, you're wrong. You don't know what I'm about. Don't tell me who I am, Dad. This movie has it all. It's got not one, not two, but three boat explosions in one chase scene. It is cuckoo banana pants. It's got um, uh, John Carroll Lynch as a sadistic prison guard <laughs> at a prison where the prisoners have to wear magnet boots. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's got a supermax high tech Guantanamo Bay run by John Carroll Lynch, and they make them watch uh, peaceful butterfly videos. This movie is insane. It's got CCH Pounder. It's got Bunny Colvin from The Wire. I can't think of the actor's name, but, but it's it Bunny Colvin. But it's yeah. Bunny. It's got Thomas Jane. It has got so many. Wait a second, that person's more famous now. Wait, Tom Jane. Tom Jane is the guy with the glasses in prison that uh, oh yeah that okay. Sean Archer as Caster Troy becomes friends with. But then it's also got uh, Sabaka from the season two of The Wire as the guy that helps to break out of prison. I think Chibs is in there too, isn't he? I, yes, Tommy Chibs, Flanagan. Tommy Flanagan is in here as one of the uh, the henchmen yeah. of uh, of uh, Caster Troy. Know that Glasgow smile anywhere? Oh yeah, you would. This film is full of character actors who have gone on to have much better careers. Like every around every corner, this film has a surprise for you. Does it have Doves? Is it a John Woo movie? Does it have somebody jumping through the air while firing two guns? I ask again, is it a John Woo movie? This film is nuts. Is there a spot on a person's head where when you shoot it, their head explodes? Yes. I I like this movie way more than I expected to. I, I am overselling it because, frankly, it's more fun to like things than to hate things. But, uh, yeah... You are going to want to go in, if you've never caught up with Face Off, you're going to want to go in thinking it's going to be bad, and who could blame you for thinking that? And I 
I urge you to reconsider and go in with an open mind because I think John Woo, John Travolta, and Nicolas Cage will prove you wrong. Dustin, what do you think of this? Well, I'll see your John Carroll Lynch, and uh-huh. I will raise you a Joe Bob Briggs. Who's that, Joe Bob Briggs? Joe Bob Briggs is the mad scientist who's about to zap his brain. Oh, okay. Yeah, why do I know that name? Joe Bob Briggs um, hosted Monster Vision on TNT. He was a uh, he was a uh, late night movie horror host. Yeah. 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 Like he's Elvira. Yeah, um, I know gotcha. That name, yeah, and uh, so it's Count Gregor. Gotcha. It's awesome. Um, and, and so yes, as you guys are saying these things about Bunny Colvin and all these other uh, great, uh, you know, character actors we know from various and sundry things, that's happening. And this movie, we haven't it, even talked about Joan Allen, who's Joan Allen is lights great. out in this movie. Sorry, yeah, Joe yeah. Bob Briggs. Yeah, Joe Bob Briggs is in this movie. It's it's nuts. It's fun. And yes, that's that's all you got to know. This is a really good action movie. It is an action movie. You've got a bad guy you've got a good guy you've got intrigue basically it's it, it's it's just reverse of a deep cover kind of story where you've got a mole or whatever working in with the police and you've got a good guy working in with the bad guys it's it's that movie except for it's got this crazy weird sci-fi it's twist. like if the departed didn't insist on taking itself so goddamn seriously right it, it, it's a ridiculous version of the departed that's exactly what it is and uh what it then does is it just puts together the departed as a pure action movie what do you need you need awesome fight scenes what do you need you need to sort of score some of the violence with a uh, surprising music like you know somewhere over the rainbow what else do you need slow motion doves catholic imagery what else do you need you need need to have a very very cathartic moment where they're fighting each other you need to have madness and insanity play, uh, you know of characters and then you just need to have great charismatic actors who are not only doing their things that they do so well they're doing the things that the other one does as well as the other one does it it is that much fun, and it's a, it's a really well shot, well acted, uh, well paced. I think Arthur's entirely wrong. I don't think it's too long at all because I think all the bits matter because I want more time for Travolta being Cage, and I want more time for Cage being Travolta. I want that, and the only way to have that is to have lengthy sections of you know uh, John Travolta as Nick Cage right um walking around through the uh, FBI headquarters grabbing secretary's butts and uh loving the applause because we know that the real Travolta character doesn't do that and at the same time we've got to have Nick Cage as John Travolta saying I have to turn on the crazy now what should I do I'll make my eyes big hey, good Be- job John Wu uh by the way for framing sexual harassment in the workplace as one of the most evil things you can do exactly bad guys do that kind of thing I'm just saying but yeah j- Nicholas Cage as John Travolta, realizing to convince people he's Nicholas Cage, what he has to do is crazy eyes. Oh. It is awesome. It's like, oh wait, I, my my brother doesn't quite believe that I. Oh, so now I gotta look nuts. I gotta look like I like this. Okay, that's oh, so good. And then you know the the cigarette butt, the grabbing the cigarette, and the gotta light being carried out is it's pitch perfect. S- butterfly knife wielding teenagers, Danny Masterson getting his fucking face pushed back. This movie's great. It, it's it's so much fun. And then a great boat chase. I mean, a really, really well shot, well acted, you know. And again, I, the stunt cor- the stuntmen are clearly the stuntmen. It's, it, that, that's totally true. But I'm telling you what, those stunts are awesome and really impressive, and I'm okay with that. There are some truly dangerous stunts in this Terrifying movie. Terrifying stunts. So, yeah, I'm all in. Well, glad they uh, you finally took that stick out of your butt, Dustin. Um, it was a successful I, surgery. I, Margaret Cho! Margaret Cho is so good. I don't think Dustin's ever been this passionate about a non-art 
foreign film I think on this, this show. This is I the most excited. True. I Listener, name us another time Dustin has been this excited about a pretty disposable film. Oh, I think that's not true. Yeah, look, it's probably not, but it's more fun to pretend it is. Yeah, no, I like Ghostbusters. I mean, you know, no. Ghostbusters, 200 yeah. episodes ago. I mean, that's... Ghostbusters, a- child of the 80s. <laughs> oh, look, a guy in his late 30s likes Ghostbusters. Shocker. All right, why don't you guys both die in a fire? And all- Dalton, now you have to talk about social media. Uh, dang it. No, yeah. Well, that's really you brought it on yourself. Go- I did. Go to a corner, talk about social media. All right, well, this is really how we're going to die by fire. It's social media, the psychic and spiritual cancer plaguing us all when gen z finally takes over the world they're going to look at us the way we look at the cast of Mad Men smoking indoors uh but look it's the only way to tell people about your podcast so we got to engage with it how do you want to engage with it uh twitter is probably the best way to find us as long as jack doesn't get rid of the like button uh you can go on over to at good underscore trash and uh see the posts for uh what we're doing um that's going to be links to the show links to articles on goodtrashmedia.com dustin's working on a piece about luca gordon uh new suspiria film yeah that's how i always say his name uh dustin's working on a piece about that suspiria remake though um so all kinds of fun stuff over at good underscore trash gonna send you links to the show to the website all kinds of good stuff there uh it would also just be great if you rated reviewed and subscribed to the show however you put this in your ears that circumvents this uh, nightmare that is social media, you can just rate and review and subscribe. You don't even have to do those first two. It's just nice for us if you do it. Um, so that's that's a great way to, to support the show, and you don't have to be on social media. Just subscribe. Um, you can also send us the long-form feedback if you really do want to get in touch with us and tell us what you think. Uh, if you have suggestions, if you th- there's things you like, things you don't like, that's going to be good. Trash genrecast at gmail.com. Really, really love those emails. Uh, Finally, uh, if you want to, you know, kick us uh, a few dollars, throw uh, in the company coffers, that's going to be patreon.com forward slash GTM. Tonight, as we're recording Face Off, we just recorded some new Good Trash Nights content for you behind the paywall, so you can hear uh, all of us be real sad and mad about the shuttering of Filmstruck. You can hear me talk about a show on CBS that I'm recommending. I know, that's a weird thing, right? Uh, you can hear Arthur talk about, speaking of uh, words that are homonyms, uh, the streaming service Shudder, uh, and you can hear him talk about some films he checked out on that. So that's what you can look forward to if you give us some dollars. That's patreon.com forward slash GTM. Finally, go outside. Look at the sunshine. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Uh, tell your parents you forgive them. Tell your parents you need to establish better boundaries and you don't forgive them. Uh, tell somebody about a movie you like. Convince someone to watch Face Off and convince them to listen to us talk about Face Off. That's that's what we really want you to do. That was a very much, like, your tone of voice just then went real Night Vale. It was like, if you see something, say nothing, and drink to forget. It really felt like Thank that. Thank you. Uh, when Dr. Fiance and I were long distance, I would often read to her from uh, the Night Vale novel. Uh, so thank you. I, I worked really hard to uh, get that patter down. I didn't mean to do it just now, but uh, I'm glad I nailed it. Was very Cecil Baldwin. Cecil. Oh, Cecil. Is, uh, that's... Uh, it's my uh what's the word uh my my uh my voice mentor my voice icon i don't know your voice crush yeah that there we go that'll work all right um i think we should play a game now it might feel good it might sound a little something but damn the game if it don't mean nothing what is game who got game where's the game in life behind the game behind the game i got game she's got game and this week's game is our body double switches. That's right, body double switches brought to you by Face Off or Freaky Friday. Look, we're going to take some actors and throw them in a blender. 
Oh. Oh, yeah, that was weird. We're going to take some actors and make them play each other. There, there we go. go. Yeah, much better. Yeah. I'm not cutting that. <laughs> no, you, you shouldn't. That was fun. <laughs> okay. Well, Arthur, we're going to go to you first. What, um, we're not just kidding. I'm going to go to Dalton first. What oh, is your okay. first selection? So, my first selection, uh, <laughs> I, I really love the Travolta Cage uh, switcheroo here. I mean, it's just... It doesn't really even make that much sense at first glance, but the more you think about it, the more you're like, wow, no, it really... They were kind of at similar points in their in their careers in the 90s. It just kind of worked. So I was like, okay, who's at a similar point in their career? And uh, I thought, of course, it's Ben Mendelsohn and Michael Shannon, Hollywood's two go-tos for villains. Uh, I want to see those guys do a switcheroo. I don't know if they're brothers and they peed in the same fountain. I don't know if there's a government experiment. Man, I want to see those two play each other really bad. Because I think uh, Shannon gets to go big, and uh, Mendelssohn gets to go menacing a lot. And uh, I think their performances throughout the years have shown they can both do both of those things. They both have a lot of levels, though, that uh, I think they could explore. Regardless of whether or not the film is goofy like Face Off or something more serious, I really think those two playing each other could be a very interesting and fun time. I like that very much. I am now going to go to you, Arthur Gordon. What is your first pick? My first pick is uh, <laughs> brought on uh, by a couple of performances this year that I think should really match up well, and that is Tom Hardy and Logan Marshall Green. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Logan Marshall Green has been He's Bobo Tom pegged Hardy. as the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the knockoff Tom Hardy for the last few years, um, and Tom Hardy can do just about anything. Uh, and I think it would just be a blast he, to he have ma- them body he, switch. He's got Venom to make $200 million. I think, yeah, he can do anything at this uh, point. And Upgrade is the Venom movie we all deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I think it would just be fun to put those two together and just see what they can do. I, I don't know a lot of Logan Marshall Green's work. I mean, I've seen him in bit parts, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming and a few other things I know. Uh, but to really see him lead a movie upgrade was the first time I'd seen that. And he did a great job. I think he's great. Uh, it's yeah. a great performance. Um, and, and Tom Hardy, like I said, I, I love him in just about everything. You can see him do something nuanced like, uh, oh, what's the phone movie when he's on the car? Eight. Oh, Locke. Yeah. yeah, Locke or you know something more over great. the top. Or, or you could see something very crazy, Arthur. <laughs> uh, you muffle him and he does wonders. Uh, it's, it's really whatever you want to do with him. But I, I just think there's a lot of kind of meta fun uh, to be had with putting those two across from each other. And I think they could both do the over-the-top zaniness that would work well for something like a body swap movie. Uh, and it would just be humorous. And, and uh, I would just get a kick out of that. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. My uh, picks will um, almost all involve Time Machine. So the first of my Time Machine picks is a film noir. Mm-hmm. Um, a good sort of adventure movie. Uh, you know who's a great hero of the 1940s and 50s? That's Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart as some much something of a more grizzled kind of villain, like a Humphrey Bogart kind of character. Okay. I'm thinking Bogart as Stewart, Stewart as Bogart. And yes, please. Because, you know, we can see the darkness. We've seen the darkness out of um, one uh, Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window and in Vertigo, so we know he can pull it off. And Bogart has done some entertaining, you know, leading man kind of Sabrina kind of roles as well. And so... Yeah, I go, like this. And, He's a charmer. And you know what? Both of them have enough of this little... Um, um, sweetheart, kind of thing. Yeah. This little, oh, you want the moon? This this thing yeah. that happens with their voices uh, 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 uh. that they could do an affectation of one another that I think would be uh, uh, really I'll spot think, on. I think this. Oh, dang it! I was gonna do Jimmy Stewart doing Casablanca. I, I don't have it right now. 
Let's see. I vote. <laughs> I you just went to Bogart. I went to Bogart. It's, it's, hard, it's, not hard, to. it's hard not to. Yeah. yeah. Har- 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 <laughs> <laughs> Louis, I, I think we could be beautiful friends. Well, I think just, this is the start of a beautiful friendship. There it is. We got it. Sam, play it again. Play, play it again. Play it again. Sam. Sam, play it again. It's not his line. <laughs> play it, Sam. Play it for me. Oh, my God. It's Vertigo, but he's just making Sam up to be. <laughs> I really like this movie. <laughs> Directed by John Woo. Directed by John Woo. <laughs> Hell yeah. Moving right along. Number next from you, Dalton Stewart. My number next is kind of similar to Arthur's first pick. Two actors who are frequently conflated and confused with one another. It's Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica Chastain. Oh. Noise. Look, they're both great. And uh, I-, I think Jessica Chastain gets the big props uh, more often than... Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard does, but I think they both are really great. I don't know if it's the scripts they're getting or, or how it's shaken out, but uh, I, I think they're both extremely talented, and uh, they both, uh, through uh, Instagram, have shown that they are very much aware that people think they're the same person uh, and get them confused with each other. So the fact that they have a sense of humor about it uh, means they would probably be game for this silly-ass movie. Um, and honestly, it's a lot more believable than... Uh, uh, face off you probably don't even need to uh come up with some sci-fi surgery you could probably just have them do a full-on uh parent trap and just uh swap swap places at work and nobody's gonna notice um yeah no i i, I like both of them a lot they're two of my favorite actors working right now um and uh, i think it could be a fun movie I, I think this one's probably gonna be a comedy um because i think they both have really strong comedic chops uh that they don't get to, to flex as often as they should Alrighty, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What is your number next pick, Arthur Gordon? Uh, mine is, I think this is a dark sci-fi, because, and I think that they're both kind of femme fatale or villainous mm-hmm. types. Um, but I'm going to pair off uh, Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton. <sighs> that's that's what I want to oh, see. Uh, just two I'm people who are very nuanced, who are very layered performers, but they can both just really chew the scenery mm-hmm. and kind of be over the top, uh, larger than life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen kind of Kate Blanchett do this with Hala in, in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. We've seen Swinton do it throughout her career, you know, in different roles. And so I, I really think that's a pairing that could just have some great dynamics. And I think they could do some interesting studies of one another and emulate and, and have a ball with I that. I mean, Kate Blanchett emulated uh, Bob Dylan. So, yeah, I, I think she can she can figure out Tilda Swinton's tics. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I, I, and they're just both wonderful, lovely performers. They're, and, the, the, they're yeah. the best. Yeah, I, I love both of them a, a lot. And so... Um, my next pick is a broad comedy, and you know I've been get, 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 getting a little bit of uh, I don't know. You can't t- refer to them as broads anymore, does he? <laughs> <laughs> He's right. You can't. That's very mean. As a '90s comedy, man, and, that was damn. That was good, Arthur. Man, you're a jerk. Fucking laser accuracy. Oh man, you've been getting a reputation on the show, is what you're going to say. Not liking comedy so mis- much. Oh, I thought you were going to say misogynist. No, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I hope not. I I do too. I don't think so. You you personify the patriarchy. Uh, do, oh, well, look, he's a religious leader. <laughs> he's an academic leader. He hosts a podcast. The <laughs> evidence is mounting against you, sir. <laughs> I, okay. All right. So, you're, so you've got a reputation not liking comedy. Yeah. And I do. And I do like comedy. You do. And, and, and what, uh, the 90s was a great time in comedy. And I got to say, I love the David Spade, Chris Farley yeah. team-ups. And yeah. I want that Freaky Friday Tommy Boy You even movie. like Black Sheep? 
I even like black wow. sheep. Oh, nobody likes black sheep. Well, okay. Well, no, nobody's right most of the time. Um, and that's what but that, you, you want that real silly ass road movie. I want that silly ass road movie. I want, I want, I want Chris Farley to be David Spade. I want David Spade to be Chris Farley. I want them to be stuck in each other's bodies. I want the joy of being oh. lithe and nimble to happen to uh, a Chris Farley. I want the sort of you know the disgust that Dave and I know that the fat jokes are going to be really little guy uh, in a fat mm. body. <laughs> but I want that. Yeah, I, I think it would be. I mean, yes, it would be inappropriate in crazy ways. But I don't care. Well, I when d- two people are that good of friends, they get to have fun with each other's uh, public persona. A little bit. Hey, 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 Richard, does this does this tie make me look fat? No, your face does. Uh, I, I just I want that movie. And yeah. so, yeah, that's that's what I want. A quick sidebar: Have you guys heard about this? Uh, this uh, I guess you could call it a stand-up special uh, that Sandler just did for uh, 100% Fresh. Yeah. yeah. Apparently it's great. And really? It's like a really moving tribute to Farley in I've it. I've been very hesitant to watch because uh, I don't know where Sandler is in 2018. Uh, well, apparently it's... Uh, Hawaii every other we, week. We are, we, are on, <laughs> we are on schedule for another good Sandler thing. Okay. Because apparently 100% Fresh is... You know, the first time good. I saw that, I was just scrolling through... Uh, Twitter, I think, and it's like Sandler, uh, New- Sandler Netflix special, one hundred percent or one hundred fresh, and I was like, oh wow, that is really good. The tomato meter is killing. Look, this there's one. no way that's not a tomato meter joke, yeah, right? It's got to be. It's got to be a joke about his films. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah. So, hundred uh, percent fresh. If you uh, do want a little bit more Chris Farley in your life, uh, apparently he he gives a very moving tribute to his uh, dearly departed friend of that. So that is last of my time machine picks. Moving on down to number last, Dalton Stewart. Go. This one was really hard. Uh, I, I had so much fun coming up with uh, pairings for this, uh, so I'm just going to shout out one that missed the cut just barely. Walton Goggins and Timothy Oliphant from uh, Justified. I need them back together, and I need they were on a show together for six years. You're uh, telling me these guys can't play each other? Come yeah. on. Uh, that would be great. But I decided to go with uh, two of the best performers in the MCU, and that's Michael B. Jordan and Anthony Mackie. Uh, I don't know. I think this is the pairing you could do the face-off movie with. This is the face-off reboot honestly, is what it is. Uh, because, oh, honestly, look, the more I'm thinking about it, the more it works really well. Uh, because uh, Michael B. Jordan has just shown the entire world that he could play a villain, uh, but he does more uh, heroic performances. Anthony Mackie's played a villain a lot more than he's played a hero, and I think he can take those two and have a lot of fun with that Persona switch. Um, yeah, that's ooh, the more I think about this movie, the more I want to see it, if I'm being honest. Awesome. I like the idea of that yeah. a lot myself. Yeah. Mr. Arthur Gordon, your number last pick. I've got a pairing here. It, it, it could be very that 90s adjacent mm-hmm. face off film. I mean, it could have existed in that universe, or it could be something a little more meta in 2018 that's, you know, kind of an expendables type of thing when you pair uh, Bruce Willis and Michael Keaton. And let them face oh, off. Dude. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Uh, and we've seen them both kind of oh, do similar things. We've seen Bruce Willis and Looper. We've seen Michael Keaton and Multiplicity kind of doing similar kinds of ideas. But to let them play off of yes. one another in, in this kind of a dynamic, mm-hmm. I think uh, you would have two guys almost in that similar dynamic as Travolta and Cage, two similar types of personalities who are just can go over the top in bonkers ways. I, I, I think, you know, Keaton, and Keaton has that history. I mean, before you know Batman, he was this comic kind of yeah. over the top guy, and uh, you know Bruce Willis has his comedic chops as well, and, and they're both very good actors who can hit the nuances I think needed, and that's really what these performances rely on is that threading that line of nuance and over the top because it's very believable when Nick Cage is John Travolta before he's having to be 
John Travolta as Nick Cage. Yeah. And, and, and I think you have actors that can pull that off. And I, I think uh, Keaton and Willis would, uh, would tear it up. I like that very much. Uh, it, this is sort of the rules, right? The rules are you've got to have, again, uh, an actor or an actress um, who are uh, known in a genre, right, and working in that genre. And then you've got to have um, very idiosyncratic in the way they do their performances. Well, that that's why I thought of Walton Goggins. Yeah. Yeah, I they, mean, they, they've got kind of a character that they always play. And then you've got to have another one that has a different kind of character, but it's maybe somewhat similar so that you can have some overlap. And so my last selection is a double switch. That's right. Four actors <laughs> are used in this. Okay. And so I'm thinking about the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, you mm-hmm. know, Sleepless in Seattle kind of thing. Thing, and I want to flip them with another very important romantic comedy pairing of the same time period, Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. Okay. Julia Roberts as Meg Ryan, uh, Richard Gere as Tom Hanks, and back and forth. And Let's take it up a notch. Julia yep. Roberts is Tom Hanks. Is Tom Hanks. Yep. And Richard Gere is Meg Ryan. Well, that's what that's happens in the second act, is yep. that it's got to be the sort of science fiction sort of plot, yeah, you know, so Kate and Leopold kind of yeah, thing they going keep, on they, here. Yeah, there's... They, they just keep, keep switching. bumping into things that shoot personalities into bodies. Yeah, and then, and then yeah, then it gender bends, and it's so much fun. Does it end with them in a quad pole? It does not. <sighs> I don't want to see it's it anymore. It's the swinging party. It depends on who's paying for it, I guess. <laughs> if no one pays for it, probably we, we could. Anna, Anna Perdick would finance that movie. We <laughs> finance and everything. Uh, the A twenty four coming soon, and it went to a dark place. Uh, give us those. Hollywood. We know what we're talking about. So it's like this runaway, uh, well, it's like Pretty Woman meets Sleepless in Seattle slash Runaway Bride. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure in the last month we've put out some certified bangers that would make some money at the box office. I'm still reeling over the uh, Pattinson, Kristen Stewart, Shining remake. Oh, oh I God. want that so bad. Yeah. Claire Denis would kill that movie. Yeah. Arthur, you're absolutely right. We certified fresh over here at the Good Trash Honor cast. Well, I guess that's enough for gameplay. Uh, let's get down to business. We did not sing Let's Get Down to Business from the Mulan soundtrack. No, again, it I was... I do every time. I want to. In my head, I do it. Do you really? Yeah, in my head, I do it. Man, it might be time for a theme song switch. We, huh? we did it once for an animation marathon, I think, a long oh, time right. ago. Way it's a way. really short clip, though, so it's hard to do. Yeah, because yeah. it's only one line, yeah. really, Let's in the whole get song. Let's down to business. And look, that flight of the count... Feet. That, that, that flight uh-huh. of Concord Stinger has just been doing us so so well for it so has. long. Look, we can change. We've, we've changed the game music several times. We've played around. There are a few different things. Yeah. We had some pop, you know, fired up music that switched around. But business time has stayed. Business time has always been business time for quite a while. I would for probably about four years now. It's uh, it's it's maybe it, longer than that, brother. We brought it in. I know we were at Dustin's house. Oh, wow. That long ago? Yeah, that sounds right, because I couldn't remember. I'd never seen the video. Because I right. haven't had a house in yep. like six years, so yeah. <laughs> Just been living but, on my balcony. In, in a van down by, by the, the river. river. Come on. Bad yeah. In a little coat. Look, listener, if you if you think you've got the, the next great music stinger, let us know, because yep. I don't I don't see us changing anytime we, soon. We love business time, so it, it, don't don't have your feelings hurt if you make a suggestion. We go, oh, that's good, but no. Yeah. Because we really like it. We do. And uh, now that our uh, one pair of socks is being shared between us, let's, yes. let's do what we came here to do, shall we? Let's let's bring us some analysis uh, to this uh, particular... All right, let's talk about star studies. Let's talk about star personas and uh, playing on with that. Let, what Who is... Is 
Nick Cage in what is ninety what is nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven and who is John Travolta in nineteen ninety seven? Go. Uh, Arthur? I think you have a couple. Of, I mean, Travolta kind of comes in. Welcome back, Cotter. I mean, he's got his TV break, and, and he does transition. Welcome back, Cotter. That's where he starts, man. That's an important part of the. Look, if we're gonna do a star graph, nope. if we're doing hagiography. We got to go to the beginning. And All right. He, he's one of the few guys that really, at that time. I mean, at that time, and uh, I recently watched the uh, the Robin Williams special on HBO. That documentary mm-hmm. in my mind, or whatever. Oh, it was I called. saw that. I saw that it was there. I didn't yeah, see it. Uh, it's very good, but um. They they talk there that you know in what is it that eighties I think Morgan Mindy's on is the eighties, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know people just didn't transition to the movies like it's very rare and, and even so in the seventies you know TV was kind of a novelty actors didn't want to be affiliated with TV and you know if you were on TV you probably weren't making the movies Travolta did that for, I mean early you know he he goes on he does Grease and he does uh, Saturday Night Fever and he really makes a name for himself Carrie yeah yeah and just really kind of got a string of hits and certified bangers out there and uh and then he kind of hits a lull i'd say in the 80s um and then he he works with tarantino in in pulp fiction and really reinvents himself right which was preceded by his look who's talking work which was basically the low point yeah he he'd hit this he was the he was the very handsome uh leading guy very romantic he could sing he could dance he could do anything uh and then he gets kind of wrapped into these rom-coms, family comedies, uh, and really his image goes down. And Tarantino remakes him as this kind of aloof gangster, uh, but with a new persona that really works and kind of brought out another layer of Travolta that people, I think, didn't know was there or had forgotten about. Um, And then we kind of continued that kind of action thing through the early 90s. You know, he does Broken Arrow with John Woo. He does some other stuff. Some gangster movies, Get Shorty. Mm -hmm. And, And that leads him to, I think, this point in time, uh, with Face Off, uh, and, and kind of the opposite with Cage. I mean, Cage comes from uh, cinema royalty. I mean, he comes from that Coppola line, and uh, he starts. He does, you know, a few like Valley Girl. I think is one of his first. He does a few. Uh, uh, is it, it's not Harlem Nights. I don't think it's it's something adjacent to that. Maybe Coppola has done. Um, uh, Cotton Cotton Club is that it? That I'm talking about. Uh, he does Cotton Club, but he also right before that uh, was in Rumblefish. Rumblefish. Yeah, right. uh, and, and then he does some other. You know. Just nothing Peggy Sue big. got married. Like he, he starts slowly building, working himself. Up. And he doesn't have that personality that we know him for. You know, he's doing these things, and and it kind of peaks with that with uh, leaving Las Vegas, where he wins the Oscar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think you see the genesis. Well, raising Arizona is a big one for him. Too, yeah. yeah. But but even before that, even in '88, you've got Vampires Kiss, which you know, a movie that is like so it's bad you, you can't even find it anymore. Yeah. Like it's, it's streaming on Prime. Did it, did it go streaming? It's on okay. Prime right it now. Like, it just went up a, uh, a few weeks ago, but yeah, uh, it was hard to find. Back in the day, uh, a couple years ago, they did it on How Did This Get Made, and they spent a lot of time talking about how hard it is to get a copy of Vampires Kiss anymore. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the start of the the rage in the cage. Uh, as we understand, but you're right. Then he comes out with Leaving Las Vegas and like shows this nuance and and uh, does Wild at Heart in there at some point, right? Yeah, yeah Wild at Heart with Lynch, which uh-huh. is which is crazy. It's it's, it's the insane performance. It's yeah. it's kind of the thing that Travolta's the other doing. Side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we get here, and we've we've. But yeah, the early '90s got not to, great for him. No, I, I, he didn't really make a name of himself until the kind of the late '90s when he started doing those performances like Face Off. Mm-hmm. When he starts doing this over the top. Nick Cage thing, and he does Con Air, uh, which is his hands are a deadly, a registered deadly weapon. Well, Why I'm, look, didn't he I'm put just down the bunny. Let me just read you a couple of. Let me. This is what's happening for Nick Cage in the late, the mid to late nineties. Are you ready for this? This run of films: Leaving Las Vegas, The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, 
City of Angels, Snake Eyes, Bringing Out the Dead, 8mm. That's a wild four years. It's crazy. Well, it it does show a a really crazy range because you go back to 1990. That's when he does Wild at Heart, right? And so, I mean, that's a David. That's a that's a Palm uh, Door winning film. Despite all of his range, they can't figure out Nicolas Cage. But let's let's look at that list again. Read that again. Okay, so we have got Wild at Heart. We got Lynch, right? Who else we got? We got Raising Arizona. That's the Coen Brothers. Mm -hmm. We've got The Rock. He starts his collaborations with With Michael uh, Michael Bay. Bay. Um, he does uh, Con-, Con Air shortly Con Air. thereafter. Is, is yeah, that... right after. And who's that's... Con Air? Con... Uh, is that, uh, is that, that Simon West? I think okay. it's, a, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer. I yeah, think it's a Jerry... that... he I does think... a lot of stuff with Bruckheimer. He does a lot of Jerry Bruckheimer productions. Simon Gone West, who seconds. weirdly enough, would go on to work with Travolta in uh, The General's Daughter. But oh. you mentioned in there bringing out the dead, which is a Scorsese film. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, he is working with A-list directors. He is working with guys I think who understand Nick Cage. And know how to place him in in the right spots, um, but I mean, and it, and it lasts for him all the way through the two thousands with you know adaptation and Gone in Six Seconds. We've already mentioned it's only until really the late two thousands with like Ghost Rider that I don't I don't know what happened. I don't. He know. became a caricature, it seemed, and it, it, I don't know if it's him taking roles just because you know his his very public financial yeah. troubles with you know look the man likes betting on the ponies and playing yeah. cards like. You got that much money, it's it's hard not to start having problems with the money. Um, but I, I think that's what happens. He starts taking these roles, and he be, you're right, Arthur, he becomes a caricature. And I think a lot of casting directors stop taking him seriously because they're afraid audiences won't take him seriously. And uh, it, it's weird to see Face Off be that Nick Cage caricature, but also still be a nuanced performance. I think that's what makes it so special in his filmography. It's Pete Cage. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's really what defines his best role and what he has done as an actor and what he's kind of tapped into again in 2018 where we've had this resurgence, you know, Mom and Dad, Mandy, and at least one or two others this year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's he's had a couple of years. He did Joe a couple of years ago, which was critically lauded, and, and he's having some kind of a resurgence following this... A straight to DVD streak that he was on. Um, and it's really interesting, but in 97, I think you're at this kind of cusp of w- what his personality is, what his style is, and, it, and I think it is a perfect storm of a performance because it's it's very nuanced, it is very layered, but it's also very Nick Cage. Meanwhile, in 2018, we've got John Travolta in Gotti, the film that killed Movie Pass. Mm. <laughs> Travolta's had a weird career because he does a few things and then he's tapers off you know there's always kind of like a resurgence we had you know Pulp Fiction and he kind of peters out and then you had uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson which he's kind of lauded for in his role there and then he's, he's just, really good in it he hasn't been able to he can't catch a break he can't find momentum and keep it yeah he's it. Ben Shapiro in that right yeah he's yeah. really good in it uh, look I think there are I, I think these are both two actors Ben Robert Shapiro excuse me I, I knew who you meant uh, also I my brain didn't even think about it I, I think what it comes down to is this is where fame can really hurt the art. I think being too famous got both of these guys involved in some stuff that really hurt them. For one person, it was gambling. For another person, it was an organization that we will not talk about because they are very litigious. Um, but I, I think the, the fame monster really screwed both of these guys up. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel bad for, for both of them because, you know, Cage has a good sense of humor about it now. Like, in, in the interviews he's been doing for the Mandy Press tour, like, he seems to, like, really... He's had fun talking about, uh, you know, how it, 
if it was made after Deadpool and Logan, Ghost Rider would have been a badass movie. And like, I think he he has a good sense of humor about it. But I'm telling you right now, there's probably been some dark days for both of those guys, wondering like, I just gave myself over to this machine and it chewed me up, and now right. I'm I'm, a la- I'm the laughing stock of this town that like took me seriously, and like I just want a good role, damn it. And Gotti too. Like, look, I'm not gonna. You're, you're I'm the last person that's ever gonna feel bad for a millionaire, but you know that. 2018 was not a fun year for John Travolta. There's no way. Mm-hmm. That dude has been depressed this year. That movie was has a 0%. No one, not a single person paid to talk about films likes that movie. That's that's not going to feel good, man. There's yeah. no way that feels good. So it's it's fun, I think, for, for me. I, I can't speak for either of you, but I'm sure you guys probably feel similarly. I, I like getting to do face-off today. Because I feel like it's it's important for us to reevaluate both of these guys' careers. Because as Arthur has mentioned, and as I mentioned, they have become the butt of jokes for quite a long time. Well, yeah, absolutely. And part of that, you know, jokiness and thing that we're talking about is the development of the star persona, where there is a one-to-one correspondence between who this person is and the type of character they play. That there, it, it's a way of sort of speaking about typecasting. Yeah. But it's also sort of directly. So Nick Cage is this loose cannon, crazy guy who likes to drive really, really fast and is something of an adrenaline junkie. That John Travolta is uh, this guy who just wants to dance and sing all the time, and you know those those kinds. Uh, that's always trying to play cool. He, when your brand becomes like irreparably merged with right. like, the perception of your talent. And I think this movie definitely places itself very well because we have a conversation about the 90s all the time with Pulp Fiction where John Travolta doing the dance number is definitely calling Saturday Night Fever uh, where we've got uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare where we've got the super meta thing happening where we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger in Last Action Hero just a couple years before this and this movie belongs in the same conversation as those metatextual films because what it is saying is this is me doing Nick Cage because there is a thing that is called Nick Cage and I'm not Nick Cage and what I'm doing isn't Nick Cage either. It is the screen persona of the person. And so here we go. We've got layers now, right? The meta thing. Yeah. Well, again, looking over it, there's a, I don't know how if apocryphal this is, but apparently that line about uh, his chin uh, when he is Caster Troy with John Travolta's face, uh, John Travolta had to pull uh, the, the writer's side and be like, are you guys making fun of me? Like it hurt his feelings. Oh, the the joke about his uh, chin dimple his, hurt his, his feelings. His unique chin dimple. Yeah, it hurt his feelings Aww. a little bit. I think so. This is a sensitive guy. Uh, you know, again, I I go back to feeling bad for them. And you're right, Dustin. I think it it is that interesting in terms of metatextuality because it is engaging with personas and engaging with how we commodify uh, bodies, how we commodify brands how we can modify people and turn them into a brand it's uh woo, it's it's a wild one it's a trip yeah absolutely and so yes you know, this 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 fits in that same milieu and and so that that's something i want to refer there uh now let's talk about this movie as uh, a genre piece it's obviously action cinema but it's a john woo film and it gets listed with the Heroic Bloodshed films. Um, the Heroic Bloodshed films, uh, in case you need a refresher, if you didn't listen to our The Killer episode. Did we do Hard Boiled for the show? We have not done Hard Boiled okay. yet. We I've keep, seen Hard Boiled, but I can't remember why. I have too, but we keep... No, I just... I think we probably... You and I both watch it because we like uh, John action Lewis. films. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Uh, well, and we both like a little film called The Matrix, which is super influenced by Hard Boiled. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've also seen Hard Boiled, and uh, yeah, these uh, heroic bloodshed films that come out of Hong Kong are very much uh, taking the uh, idea of uh, heroism as it you know comes from Chinese folklore, but also as it's been influenced by the Western genre from what literally cowboy westerns, mm-hmm. and those two have kind of fed back and forth uh, across the Pacific Ocean and have influenced each other in some pretty interesting ways that you're actually writing about right now a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, this is kind of the nexus of that, right? Yeah, it's well, John it, Woo importing the the um, the heroic bloodshed genre. So it's not simply like the sort of switched identities film. It, it, there's a couple other characteristics that, that need to be applied here as well, which is that high sense of loyalty, that high sense of revenge and redemption from revenge and uh, the high sense of villainy like uh, the absolute most like evilest of evil villainies yes i what is the most evil thing i can do i don't want all the money i want to become leader of the fbi to do more evil for no reason other than to be evil and twirl my mustachios which is very important to say those things otherwise your mustachio twirl is totally wasted um so they're doing those kind of things and also that high melodrama i mean the whole death of the son michael and the replacement of michael with the uh with the adam kid right all of that stuff is just super model and super sentimental. It doesn't, that is not what happens. Somebody who is in a crime family loses all their parents. Uh, the cop who is involved in the case doesn't get to just adopt this kid because I met him once. That's when I used to look like his biological dad. It, it, I mean, it, that's not what happens, but it totally plays into that, again, sentimentality, that Polly Pierhart, again, D.W. Griffith-esque kind of melodrama. The, but also it's this uncorruptible. Like, yes. The, 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 uh, the stick-up-the-ass guy. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it is the, uh, the real uh, Dudley Do-Right. Uh, and again, this is uh, the character that uh, gets played in... Um, oh, it's not the killer. It's... Um, oh, shit. It's not hard boiled either. No, it is hard boiled. It's uh, it's the uh, John Woo character in Hard Boiled. Mm-hmm. It's just the the goodest good guy. The, uh, yeah, super cop. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's that's a the it's a very specific motif, uh, yeah. and it's weird to see it played out in a big budget Hollywood movie. Yeah, and 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 this and this is absolutely that, and it's crazy that it got made because again, screenwriters in Hollywood would take uh, that script. I can't see a screenwriter. I can't see a producing you know manager looking at this and saying oh yeah well go ahead and shoot that it's it's nonsense it it defies hollywood convention period not just of the 90s it it is so unself serious because there there is a tendency for uh i think hollywood cinema to either be silly or serious and i think again especially as you get those larger budgets and you get uh more risk adverse dollars involved the the system abhors uncertainty. It needs to is is this a comedy or is this an action movie? Is this serious? Is this farce? And the answer is yes. It is it is all of those things. Well and I think maybe the marketing strategy here is simply John Travolta, huge actor at the time, Nick Cage, huge actor at the time, John Woo, successful, you know, action director. And uh, they said, okay, they're going to do an action film together. It's got kind of a loony premise. Oh, but you're going to do like John Travolta's going to do a Nick Cage impersonation? 
fun. Yeah. You know, Cage is going to do Travolta. Great. I don't care about the rest of it. You guys yeah. just run. That's what sells the movie. And and then and, and the, that's how we get a gem like this. That is again this sort of a pure, almost pure importation of the heroic bloodshed. You know, of a Chow Yun Fat kind of performance, uh, kind of you know, lead film uh, in this crazy John Woo thing. So uh, yeah, very very fun. Let's talk about um, John Woo because uh, isn't this place religious? Ooh, buddy, yeah. Uh, it, it's fun because the killer also has got a lot of Catholic imagery. Well, Woo's a Catholic, really. Yeah, Woo's a Catholic convert. Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. So that that wow okay that makes a lot of sense. Huh. So yeah yeah um, that is why his films are so western in some senses because he has um, gone to the west uh, at least in his spirituality. Well I think uh, something we need to touch on real quick uh, as we're going to talk about uh, the, the religiosity of his films to kind of segue us out of the heroic bloodshed is the depiction of violence. Yes. Uh, because I think that plays into the religiosity. Absolutely and does. I know I know alluded that to that earlier, but the depiction of violence in this film is. Super extreme. I mean, the, the squibs are very juicy. Uh, the 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 blood is everywhere. Uh, the explosions are huge and nonsensical. Uh, but I think that's part of this intentional artifice that John Woo is doing. In his, I mean, again, this is the, the guy who had Chow Yun Fat like slide down a banister and take out a room full of people while sliding down a banister, mm-hmm. which is John Woo is not a dumb man. He knows that no human being can do that. He's not a fool. But he that doesn't know, matter. He, it doesn't matter because he knows that this kind of violence is artifice. It is not real. But you can't engage with this kind of story and have realistic violence because then it's just sad. You, if you want to engage with this kind of good versus evil story, you have to take out any sort of nuance. It has to be very clear-cut roles. And for those clear-cut roles to make sense, I think you have to dial up the action to 11 because it has to look like a fantasy. And I think John Woo, better than a lot of American filmmakers, understands the usage of fantasy action versus realistic action. Um, and that's something that uh, Face Off has in spades. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the action in this movie is cuckoo banana pants. Again, Nicolas Cage has two gold-plated guns that he fires at John Travolta, and then he also has a knife stuck in the back of his pocket. Uh, it's just... And again, this is the first, what, 15 minutes of the movie that this oh, all yeah. happens? Yeah. He shoots a child while drinking a milkshake. <laughs> and that's the opening scene. Well, we got to have a devil. And you got to yeah. have an angel. And you get well, you got to have Jesus. Oh, okay. Jesus, you know, who who bears still in his body the marks of his suffering. There it is. Jesus yeah. who takes upon the face of us in all of our sin, yep. right? And then through that, you know, works the work of redemption, right? Yep. And uh, you know, it defeats the enemy, you know, after after having been on the cross for a time, suffering in that way, you know, hmm. to to be in this place where he doesn't belong, right? Um, it, it is it is it is very much a lot of Christ imagery yeah. going on there with that, and uh, yeah, and 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 so and that moment of confrontation, you know, that that church, you know, scene is, is a great way to set that up. Like, isn't this religious? It is the battle between good and evil. It is, and again, it is it is through his suffering that he's able to. Overcome, and of course, because it's an action movie, there does still have to be violence, and the body is pierced in order to make sure that we uh, end that um, you know scapegoat's life, yeah. right? Uh, so, and again, so John Travolta dies for all of our sins, but it's actually Nick Cage who is John. Tra- it, it, it gets messy, but and that's that's fine. Yeah, the the the, the pure joy of uh, both of these actors getting to both be the hero and the villain, and also the hero playing the villain, the villain playing the hero. Is just a 
a damn hoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is. And again, I think it is like the what is the logical conclusion of these? This is the good guy. This is the bad guy. Stories where there is no moral nuance. Well, you just start swapping places and playing a, a, a little bit of a, a cup game mm-hmm. with uh, with the uh, who's who and who's pretending to be who. So we kill the good guy, but he's actually the bad guy at that yeah. time. But uh, again, I think uh, this goes back into what does a purely good person think a bad guy is? What does a purely bad, you know, movie villain think a good guy is? Mm-hmm. The the ways in which goodness is portrayed and the ways in which villainy is portrayed is super interesting when filtered through this. Uh, this very clear white hat, black hat morality. Oh, and the last thing I was going to say in the religious imagery thing, I, the, the the recognition of, uh, you know, when Nick Cage's character is recognized as Archer at the end, it's only after he has gone through all of the ordeals and all the sufferings. It is very much that last line, you know, either in, uh, from Mark's Gospel or from, you know, The Greatest Story Ever Told, where John Wayne, you know, surely this man was the son of God. It's It's that moment in his death that he's recognized, right? And so in that moment, that's when you see it. So I want to make sure I connected that last dot there. No, you're right. It's, a, it's an important dot to connect because, yeah, that is the end of his uh, his character arc, honestly, right. is before he gets his face back. And his face on. Face back off on. Yeah, face uh, on. Again. Face on? Face, face off. off. It's, man, it's a thing. It's nuts. Um, any other? Th- oh, well, I guess we need to talk about the gender politics. Well, let's talk about women and children, I let's think. Do, let's do so, yes. Because they are the, the <laughs> women and children don't uh, get a lot to do in the 1990s, especially as it, as it goes with action movies. And um, the roles of women and children are very interesting in this film. Um, first of all, you've got Joan Allen, who is absolutely crushing She's it. She's great. Uh, w- with not, let's be honest, a pretty thankless role. And yet, she shows up as Eve Archer. I mean, she absolutely does not phone it in. She tries to show up. Uh, Gina Gershon does not get nearly as much screen time as Joan Allen, but I think she's pretty damn good as well. Uh, and then uh, Dominique Swain is the actress who plays Jamie Archer, um, okay. who has not really done a whole lot else. Uh, but obviously, Gina Gershon and Joan Allen have both had pretty good careers. Um, the The roles that the women play in the lives of Castor Troy and, and Sean Archer... Um, Again, are as everything else in this movie are funhouse mirrors, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's this thing that John Woo is playing with throughout the film. And I don't know if you guys have any feelings on this, but it, it definitely seems to be that they are are both uh, very uh, again relegated to the role of being loving and nurturing, uh, but doing so in different ways, and kind of the nature of uh, a relationship that. Uh, is actively abusive and unhealthy, mm-hmm. and then a relationship that appears to be normal, in big fat air quotes, on the outside and on the inside is uh, lonely and not so good. Yeah, uh, And I think there is nuance to the relationships in, in this film, which uh, I think redeems the limited roles that the women in the film have. Uh, but again, Joan Allen saves the day. I mean, she makes the call that says who uh, John Archer is, and Gina Gershon saves the day mm-hmm. uh, by showing up to uh, complete the Mexican standoff. Yes, very important. Um, and uh, But again exists to uh, protect her son and avenge her brother um, and try to convince Caster Troy that uh, she, she's a, a good partner. So, again... But, but she, what, what ends up happening messy. is that she's convincing Sean Archer that even though she's associated with this bad person, she is not a bad person herself. Exactly. I mean, and that, that's the way in which the movies would just sort of paint you with that broad brush. You are just loyal and loving towards this terrible person, you know, because of your own codependency and a choice to enter into this bad situation. And it does give that character quite a bit more depth. It does, but here's the problem. That character ultimately serves only to yes. be a surrogate mother... To the Archer family's replacement son, yes, which is 
bad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. When John Travolta comes home from getting his face back and says, <laughs> I found us a little boy who needs a home. <laughs> not, can we just... This child there lives is with, no this, discussion. This kid lives with us now. Yeah. You do not bring a child home, home your son. and and ask the the daughter sister now to take him to his new room and then ask your wife, can we keep him? Yo. You might be able to get away with that with a dog, but not a human. You know what? If I did it with a dog again, I think I'd be in pretty big trouble. Yeah. You've done that before. I have done that. Oh, I've done it with a human as well, but yeah. that's a different conversation. <laughs> Man, the, the, and the, I, it's telegraphed. It's so telegraphed. Absolutely. The first time that John Archer, Ascaster, John, Sean Archer, Ascaster Troy meets this child, uh, it's telegraphed. And then he finds out it is, in fact, Caster Troy's son, and he gets to hear it's your son. It's so telegraphed that that's that's when I, that was the moment I knew Gina Gershon was going to die by the end of the oh, movie. Oh yeah, um, it's gross and weird. Yeah, it is, uh, and it almost undoes all the other goodwill that the film has by not depicting sexual harassment as a joke, which is something that is rampant in '90s films, yes. which we have seen a lot uh, over the last two years of watching '90s movies uh, on and off. Um, it, it is portrayed as an an, an evil act, and mm-hmm. the the woman who is the victim of uh, Caster Troy as Sean Archer, like it's not played as a laugh line. Like the look on her face is one of like complete shock that this person she trusts would do that. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a moment way heavier than you would expect from that that beat in any other movie. And that you came don't out think he's cool because he did it? No, not at all. Again, John Woo is smarter, and his team, whoever you know, I mean, the edit there. I don't know if it was Woo's direction or the choice of that edit, but man, that moment does not play as cool at all. Uh, uh, when uh, Travolta enters Jamie's room to steal her cigarettes, it is sexually menacing and yeah, gross. uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, and it's. That is one that's weird because the, the the actress playing Jamie plays it as like thinking her her new dad is cool, and uh, it that's a weird moment, and uh, it's one I thought about a lot uh, for a while after the fact because again we don't need to go into everything going on in that scene, but it is gross. Well, I don't. I think she's just assuming that that sexual sort of you know tension isn't there. No, she's not. She's not at all. Because she has. But I, we know. We that know. It is. Yeah. yeah. And so I think she is playing the obliviousness well. Yeah. We yeah. know that he went in with the impl- the film was implying that he was about to do something very untoward. You have something and I crave. Up. And then he just took her cigarettes. But it, you know, he Caster Troy knows that he's being menacing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. She just thinks Dad's like cool now because he killed the bad guy. It's a it's a weird moment in this yeah. film, um, but also it leads us to um, the the assault from her boyfriend. Uh, which uh, look, we don't need to get into Danny Masterson's uh, you know uh, badness in real life, but uh, it, it is uh, funny in 2018 to watch him uh, get his get his face pushed back a little bit. It's awesome. Uh, but then there's the whole butterfly knife thing, and again, this conversation we have earlier where uh, there there is this like active victim blaming that Caster Troy does, uh, and then uh, but then there's the whole butterfly knife thing that comes back to, to get him. I mean, it is a... Uh, he gets hoisted by his own petard for being a gross douchebag. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cool moment. Uh, in a moment that would otherwise be way grosser in a lot of films from this era. Right. So it's the, the sexual and gender politics of this film are confusing, uh, but you can't say they're not nuanced, because I think they definitely are. I, I totally agree. More so than a lot of films from the era. More so than Con Air. <laughs> yeah. Leanne Rhymes. Moving on. Uh, I, I've got nothing else to say I, other than this is, uh, look, three three boat explosions. Not a one of them that makes sense. No. 
but they're all a joy. Unless but, that boat's carrying napalm. You know what? That's my favorite. That's how we're going to close this out. Fellas, what, what's your favorite uh, action beat in this movie? Uh, just go with your gut. No wrong answers. Uh, mine is the uh, the bullet ballet uh, in Castor Troy's apartment or whoever's apartment mm. um, that ends in the the uh, the guy from uh, American Psycho getting killed. Uh, but that whole sequence is wow. Gina Gershon's running around trying to save her child while just machine gunning people. It's it's nuts. Uh, that that's my hands down my favorite action beat in the entire movie. I'd probably lean towards the church. Yeah, the that's where I was going. Yeah. The church the slow motion and, yeah. and the, yeah, and it's the setup and the stylized. doves yeah. and the seagulls and it does have it all. Yeah, it it makes me real happy. Yeah, it's it's got the slow mo and the doves and the Mexican standoff. It is a John Woo scene if ever there was one. Uh, hey, the bullets exiting guns in this movie does that just look like high, high speed photography to you guys? That didn't look like a digital effect to me. I don't know. I, I just thought it was very interesting. Uh, it, it it's an effect that. In movies made more recently, looks way cheaper. Is the only mm. reason I brought it up. I don't know. Well, wow. a different process then. This action movie is uh, way better than uh, the world would lead you to believe. Yes, it is. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on face slash off. Um, you have to have the slash, or you don't have the title correct. Um, nonetheless, uh, let's come to the point of the show where we render a verdict, shelf or trash else. Or instead, I am curious to hear what my co-hosts have to say. Arthur, I go to you first. Shelf or trash, else or instead, face, backslash off. I'm going to shelf it. Uh, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. So let's shelf it. I'm going to pair it with uh, Dark Passage. Oh, you uh, sorry, Batman. sorry sucker. Uh, Dark Man. And uh, let's go with Mom and Dad. Let's get some 2018 Nick Cage craziness in there and go with Mom and Dad. I also was going to pick Dark Passage. Well done. What do you say, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Uh, I am also going to say Shelf. I think it's uh, it's that good. Um, I'm also going to recommend Nick Cage from 2018 film to pair with it. It's going to be Mandy, uh, another film about revenge and things like that. I'm going to recommend Pleasantville for more Joan Allen. Uh, just a great performance from her in that. I'm going to recommend In a Valley of Violence for uh, a really great latter-day John Travolta performance uh, from just a couple years ago. Really like that movie a lot. I think it's underrated. Uh, And finally, yeah, we talked a lot about uh, this film, this episode. you got to catch up with Hard Boiled uh, to to really further your education with John Wheel. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Okay, so I am also going to say Shelf. I was going to say Dark Passage, and I still am going to say that. But then I'm also going to talk about two different uh, films where we have uh, multiple characters in two different ways. One, um, a la what we see in Face Off, and that is uh, the uh, Obscure Object of Desire, a film directed by Louis Boonwell, Mm -hmm. in which one one character is played by two different actresses throughout the film for strange reasons. And uh, so that's a lot of fun. And then um, Kim Novak in Vertigo because uh, she's got the two different characters that she plays. And uh, yet they are the same character the whole time. And that's maybe a mild spoiler, but nonetheless. And Jimmy Stewart's awesome in that particular film. Lastly, I think you should take a look at The Departed because it is basically the same movie, but with less ridiculous. Just take... If The Departed didn't take itself seriously, Dalton said earlier, you have Face Off. Hot take. I... Prove The Departed's better than Face Off. Well, yeah. Prove it. You can't. Art's objective. Okay. Good old scapegoat. Um, so there you go, dear listener. Um, take a look at all of that. Your syllabus just got longer. We're going to continue trucking down this 90s action movie marathon. Dalton's very excited to announce next week's film. Mm, 
Tell me how excited you are, Dalton. I am so happy, Dustin, that next week we are going to talk about, well, Bruce Willis came up this episode. We're going to talk about him and uh, an oil rig and an asteroid. That's right. It's Armageddon. How is it only just now we're getting to Armageddon? Because I have fought against it. You have. I've fought against the dying of the light for so long now. I, I, I hope you have like my face-off conversion to Armageddon. That's it's, what I'm hoping. It's got a stellar cast. I, I've seen the movie before. It's not like I've never seen it. I've seen we it a couple Steve of Buscemi. times. We got Steve Buscemi. Will Fickner. We got... Uh, we got uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. Michael Clark Duncan's so oh, good. We got... Uh, what's his name? He's in The Sting in Halloween. He's one of my favorites. I can't think of his name. Shit, I know who you're talking about, too. He's in uh, Remember the Titans. Will Patton. Will, yep, Patton. Will Patton. Will, Will Patton's Patton. great, yeah. Will Patton's very good. This is a Billy Bob. Late Billy 90s. Bob ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Mm. It, it, Liv Tyler. It, this, this is, is a, a late 90s cast. Murderer's Row, man. I mean, yeah, just. No telling who else is in there that we don't even realize yet. There's probably plenty of people that are in uh, this The Russian guy on the space station. Yep, love oh, him. Oh, yeah, like, he's oh, so good. Oh, God, what is his name? I don't, know. I don't know. I always forget his name. He's Russian Space stuff. Station, American yeah. Space Station, all parts made in Taiwan. That's rock all. I, that's so I don't think he's actually Russian either. I think he's. Uh, we'll talk about it. Yep, it's gonna be. Uh, look, get, it's get, gonna be awesome. Get ready for the Aerosmith outro music next week. It is Michael Bay's Armageddon. Thank you for tuning in to the Good Trash Genrecast, a product of Good Trash Media. For more Good Trash content, head over to GoodTrashMedia.com. Our intro this week is an original composition by a friend of the show, Aaron Rodgers. And our outro this week is Papa's Got a Brand New Bag by James Brown. 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 If you're still listening, Brown. I'm impressed at this point.